Welcome to Attached, a platform for adding breadth and depth to everyday living. I'm Yaakov Danishevsky, and this is the conversation series focused on my book. In each episode, I invite a special guest to discuss the topic of a particular chapter and how it relates to our lives. Welcome to another conversation episode. I'm very excited today to be uh, having a conversation with someone who is a personal uh, trainer in the work that I do, uh, somebody that I've studied under uh, for, for quite a bit, Dr. Gina Ross, who is a internationally renowned expert on dealing with trauma and all sorts of other areas within uh, the psychological world. I am in the midst of the somatic experiencing training process together together with uh, with Gina under Gina's uh, training and uh, thank you so much for making time to, to do this with me it's my pleasure it's really great I, I think it's a great idea what you're doing anyway and I would like to support it thank you so we're discussing in this uh, conversation chapter nine uh, of the book uh, which is about anger and one of the pieces uh, that that comes up a lot uh, that's used in somatic experiencing, uh, is the use of anger uh, in the healing process from trauma uh, and in, in a productive and positive way. And I think it's an important uh, topic, an important conversation, because societally, my impression, anecdotally, uh, as well as from Jewish texts and Jewish culture, anger is often talked about or portrayed in a very negative light. Uh, and what I've been learning uh, in, in somatic experiencing is the use of anger in a positive way. And I'm curious to hear you uh, describe that for people who are starting this conversation from scratch. How can anger be used positively? And how does that fit into all our preconceived notions of anger? Okay. So, you know, I start just philosophically. Why do we have the capacity to feel anger if it has no use at all, right? So um, it's a feeling. It's just a feeling that has no moral implication. But I think what makes a difference for people is the definition of healthy anger versus toxic anger. And I think when people are really upset about anger or when Judaism looks at it in Askans, it's really when we're talking about toxic anger. And I would like to make the difference between the two because healthy anger is really very constructive um, and potentially transformative because it actually it allows us to identify what's going on with us, where our boundaries were broken, where have been been threatened, where we need to defend ourselves. It's actually very important and very useful in which of our needs have not been met. So when I feel this anger all of a sudden coming up because something happened that's disturbing and I need to do something about it, Anger has a very, very positive role to play in my life. It really indicates and motivates me towards what needs to be changed in the situation. So that's the healthy anger. And also I wanna really make a difference between the feeling of anger and the expression of anger. And I think that has a lot to do with the misperception about anger too. A toxic anger, on the other hand, it's a whole different thing. Um, and I actually don't think of it as, a, as something um, like that somebody is bad because they get angry. I think more it's a, it's a physiological process that I want to describe a little bit. 
um, where toxic anger has to do with um, rage, and rage is a combination of anger and helplessness, is when we have tried to take care of ourselves and we were not able to, we did not succeed. So it's about unresolved issues and uh, painful issues that have not been um, taken to the end of it. And so that stays in the body. And that energy from the stress hormones, it's more about stuck energy in the body rather than anything else. And so I don't look at it as a character flaw because of that. I look at it as an unfinished business that needs to be finished. Now, also you have toxic anger when people repress anger for a long time. And there are many reasons, one of the ones that you said, anger is looked at as a very bad thing or it's ugly, or we're going to lose the, the love or the affection of the people around us if we get angry at them. So people repress anger, repress anger, and then all of a sudden it explodes. So that's another way that toxic anger manifests itself from repressed anger. And also, you know, um, I think you, know, you mentioned it in your book, but really anger that is repressed has to do with uh, addictions and has to do with depression. I add that it has to do with depression. So people repress, become numb, don't want to feel what they have to feel because it's dangerous to feel it. But it has to come up somewhere. They have to self-medicate somehow. And that's where the addictions start, where there's a, an artificial way of feeling something, but that's not as dangerous as a real feeling the repressed anger that can be very damaging. And also I tend to look at depression as really repressed anger. To me, depression by itself means nothing as depression, but it means, wow, there's a lot cooking underneath that needs to be unveiled and processed and taken care of and released. So you see anger, hides a lot of things. It plays for a lot of things. And that's where the toxicity is. So how would a person begin to try and, and work through toxic anger, the repressed anger? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end. Um, I did want to bring it in, in terms of the Jewish context. Sure, please. Um, because um, like one of the alarm or like the little warning that I want to give, you know, I, a lot of my clients are religious and they feel that anger is not allowed, it's not permitted, and they replace it like with faith, what God, God wanted or it's God's will or whatever. And it doesn't really work for them. That's when they go into um, passive aggressive behavior or addictions or destructive patterns in their lives because there's not room made for the anger. So I, that's where I wanted to bring that if somebody is really disturbed, let's say, and they've been traumatized and there's an unfinished response of fight, they were, did not succeed in defending themselves and that energy is there, faith is not going to be enough. Faith can even bring or, or the requirement to handle it through faith can bring even more of a pressure on the person because they're not allowed 
to feel the raw energy. And that's where I'm going to make, I want to make the difference between feeling the raw energy of anger and then expressing the raw energy of anger. And that's where we're going to make the difference. What do we do when we feel the raw energy? What do we do with that? So it's, it's really about looking at moral, at, at anger that has no moral implication. That feeling itself is a feeling. We cannot help feeling the feeling. So it's just what we do with it. You know, what happens in terms of the, the actions. So I had a client, for example, that came to me who had somehow understood that she had the right to be angry. And every time that she felt angry, she really blew up at the person. And I was seeing her with her daughter and with her husband, and she would be just ravaging them, really, really upset and really angry. And I explained to her that there's a difference between feeling the anger and then expressing it. And I asked her to stay silent for a moment and she was able to do it. And she was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I can actually, I don't have to explode with my anger. I can express it in a different way. And she shifted immediately and she really became a big uh, adept at SE, somatic experiencing what you're learning with me. Which, by the way, I really would like to gift our audience with the video that we have about that, about emotion aid, if that's okay with you. Yeah, please, please. End of it. Yeah, so yeah. I want to talk about that too. Um, so that's very important. So then how do we know, how do we know which anger are we having? How do we know if our anger is healthy or if our anger is toxic? So I have a sentence I want to read to you that the trauma vortex anger locks our heart and make us speak very harshly. The healing vortex helps us speak our truth of anger with love. So it's really about how we express what's going on with us. And it's very important. We have the responsibility to express our anger. And we'll talk about it a little bit later. Can you just explain for someone who might not be familiar with the language uh, or might not intuitively pick up on what you mean when you just use the language of trauma vortex versus healing yes. vortex? So, yeah, thank you. So we, in somatic experiencing, anything that has to do with bad feelings, repetitive patterns, explosion, or, uh, or even avoidance, or even freezing, we call it into being in the trauma vortex, meaning like we are under the impact of trauma. And then what comes up that's really amazing is that we're built to have the healing vortex, which is the capacity to be able to heal ourselves. And it's built into our system. Bohe Olam just gave it to us in terms of the way it des he designed the autonomic nervous system. It's really extraordinary. And I know that you you were impressed with it when we were talking about it in somatic experiencing. So you'll get a little bit of that in the video when people will be introduced to it. So toxic anger is when now my anger is repetitive. Um, I don't resolve anything with it. I just get into more and more trouble. I'm very irritable. I'm very easily triggered. I'm very hypersensitive to any slights. I hold grudges, I'm belligerent, um, I'm easily ex explosive. And remember also that anger can take us to revenge and, and makes people kill people. So 
toxic anger can be uh, a pain in the neck and extremely dangerous. So it's very, very important that we have a handle on it, okay? So that means that we have to know how to release it. We have to know how to discharge it. And that's where, you know, the, the technique that we're learning together, somatic experiencing, and there are other techniques also that work. It's not the only one, but this one is pretty amazing, as you know that I feel that way about it. Um, and if it's okay with you, I would like to bring it at the end as an exercise of what people can do, how they can really manage it. Would that be okay? Amazing, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Um, you mentioned something about expressing anger to God. Yeah. Being angry with God. And I thought that was a wonderful chapter in your book, like chapter nine. Um, and I thought, first of all, I always advise my clients that they can absolutely be angry with God for different reasons. Um, first, as you said, it implies that there is a relationship. I can't be angry with somebody I don't care about. So that's part of it. Um, and also because I think God can contain our anger. He's got that capacity. And I studied for many years with a, with a rabbi um, who just passed away, uh, God had his soul, uh, Rabbi Omerman, uh, for many years. And he talked about how God made the world 49% honey and 51% vinegar. And so he, he built it up in a way that we're going to go through troubles, that we're going to have a hard time. So kind of like guilty him into it <laughs> okay you're participating into that i can i can be in a dialogue with you it's okay so in that sense i think it's really um wonderful to have the capacity the permission to give ourselves the permission to dialogue with with the god about what's going on with us of course we always like ask for the best but we don't understand that what the bad is all about, or that it comes for our good, and even, and especially when it's very, very harmful, and what we went through is really tragic, what we went through is really tragic, it's very hard to understand that that's God's design and all of that. Um, and so it's okay to take that part and be in the anger with it. Um, and then, I must say, there was a time because I write a lot politically too about what's going on with Israel and all of that. There was a time where I understood that faith was about total surrender to God's will, irrelevant of what we're going through or what we can believe He's making us go through. But we don't need to get there directly. We can go there through the anger, we can go through the dialogue, we can go through the upset. And eventually, as the story of the rabbis that you brought in in that chapter, I really recommend the book. It's a wonderful book, by the way. Um, to the rabbi that gets to the end of it and understands reluctantly going into it, but eventually surrendering to the will of God, understanding that that's where it is. But again, he also gave us the capacity to feel anger. There's a reason for it. And so we need to normalize anger. Um, at the same time, because it's such an explosive, powerful, destructive feeling, 
if it goes into action unmonitored, is we have to be very careful with anger. We really have to know what to do with it. So that's part of. Yeah, I've I've often heard uh, and and kind of used this this sentiment with people with myself that anger is a secondary emotion, so to speak. Is that is that important to understand in that context? It is very important because it's really covering up um, hurt, but more than hurt, what's really covering up is the utter helplessness that we felt at some point in our lives where something happened to us that really knocks us out and that there's nothing that we were able to do. And then we are left with that impression that we're really helpless in the world. So people that go around, you know, tempesting all the time and blowing up all the time, it's a way of having a sense of control, but there's something that they can do instead of this total helplessness, which then takes you into utter depression and, and even suicidality. So yes, it has the silver lining mm-hmm. to it, yeah. but because it can get us into so much trouble, there is this injunction to really pay attention to it and do something with it. Um, And that's where I want to bring to the whole religious world everywhere, not only in Judaism, um, the importance of understanding that anger has to be handled at the level of the nervous system also. It's not enough with the thoughts. It's not enough with the prayer. The people, they can do it through prayer and through their faith. It's amazing. It's a huge resource, but that's because the nervous system has not been shot. The nervous system is pretty healthy. So then that's the biggest resource you can have is faith and prayer. Can can you elaborate on that distinction? Sorry, just that distinction between the people who are able to use the faith because the nervous system... Because the nervous system has not been disorganized, has not been shot out of balance. But somebody who has gone through very deep trauma and have been very dysregulated, they cannot use those tools. Mm-hmm. You cannot use their spiritual tools, which is, by the way, why, why I got into trauma healing, because all I wanted was help people become more spiritual. And then I realized that if they were very traumatized, they didn't have access. So we needed to first heal the, the nervous system, and then they have access to the spirituality. So people were naturally fairly healthy, and their nervous system is centered and something really bad happens, then faith is the best resource ever. There's nothing above that, really. But if that's not the case, then faith becomes a, a weight, it becomes a burden, it becomes another reason for them to feel bad about themselves. Then they start shaming themselves or being shamed by others, and that doesn't help either. So there's so that. If a person's trying to be kind of honest with themselves, <clears throat> how would they how would they know, how would they check in if their attempt at, if, if their nervous system is, is regulated and centered and the faith is being used in a, in a way that's genuine and, and appropriate for them or not? So then it has to do with the action. If I'm responding from a healthy place and something happened and I got angry because, you know, my needs were not being met or somebody crossed the boundaries or somebody hit my child or somebody did something that's unjust 
I want to be angry. I want to be able to say, hey, wait, that's not okay. That's not right, right? I want to be able to do that. But then what do I do with this? If I go to the other and I said, you know what? You just did that. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to break your legs. I'm going to ruin you. I'm going to tell about you. I'm going to make you lose your job. Um, so if I'm going to do as an action something destructive that is not constructive for me or for the other, what do I gain by having somebody with a broken leg? That hurt me. But somebody who I can go to and say, hey, this is what you did, and that's really not okay, and this is how you can repair it, then I'm helping that person be an okay person. I'm repairing something for me and for the other. So my action is constructive. When I'm in the trauma vortex, in the toxic anger, my action is destructive. So I'm going to come at people blaming, accusing, being, being really rude, being really rash, um, uh, wanting to punish, wanting revenge, um, praying for revenge also. <laughs> Although praying for revenge, leaving it in hands in God's hands, it's okay at some level. It's a it's a mild way of being angry. It's all right. We can we can uh, allow ourselves to do that. So um, and that's you know the difference between when people say you know they they have a temper or they are or or instead of just saying they have an anger problem. So if somebody tells me that person has a temper, then I tend to think that maybe they have a character issue. There's something wrong with them. They are in control, but they're not changing. They're not doing anything about it. And so I'm looking now at the other person in a negative way, not in looking what can work, what can be helpful. And I always want to come from the healing vortex, right? I want to come from a place where I can find a solution to what happened, to the problem. So that's where understanding about the nervous system being dysregulated because our, our anger is overwhelming us. We get stuck into a pattern of fight wherever we go, whatever we look at. We look at everything in a negative way at ourselves, at the events in our lives, at people around us, at the world, at life in general. We just see what's negative. We just see what's not working. We just see what can irritate us, what we can criticize, what we can jump on, right? We have Then we develop that tendency to be in a patterned anger. We call it the pattern fixed anger. This is just now automatic. We can also get addicted hormones-wise, with the stress hormones to anger. You know, if we have been running on adrenaline for a long time, then it's automatic. Then we're looking for situations that bring the adrenaline. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that part, that facet of it, you know, the, the part of the nervous system that's involved and trauma that's involved, right, to be able to work with it. So, and so, so, so all those things are kind of the the indicators or the signs that that the person's anger is in that right. kind of toxic anger. What would it look like if they're 
they're more, I know you said it's, it's more constructive and the, the sentence you read before was, I was yeah. really beautiful. I don't know if you could read that again, but could you elaborate also more on what that would look like and how it would be used? Yeah. So the first thing is to normalize anger as just a feeling, which means that now I'm going to allow myself to feel it. Okay. Um, not only that, I want to be able to also feel like healthy aggression uh, because I want to be able to be ready to defend myself and my loved ones if something happens, if there is danger. And if I don't do that, actually, I will attract the predator. I will attract the energy, aggressive energies against me. So I want to be able to redeem the feeling of anger in myself, okay? So I normalize, I allow myself to feel it, but then I want to release it. And that's where the technique comes in. That's where the emotion aid and somatic experiencing comes in. So what does it mean? What does it look like? So let's say I feel like uh, I thought about something that was done to me and I have a big, like what am I feeling in my body? There's this big surge in, of, of uh, boiling in my chest or I, my cheeks get red or my body gets tense, right? So these are sensations in the body that are manifesting my anger. My feeling of anger is manifested in sensations in my body. And because feelings can be very overwhelming and certainly anger can be very overwhelming, I'm going to approach that activation, that energy with very little at a time, very carefully. So if I'm feeling three, four, five sensations of anger in my body, I'm going to choose one at a time. So let's say first my heart beats fast. So I notice my heart beating fast and that's where the magic happens. My nervous system by itself on its own will bring a response and there'll be like a yawn or a deep breath that comes or maybe trembling or shaking or maybe even the heat wave that comes comes up and that energy that that stuck energy in my heart beating fast just gets released and my heart goes back to normal so i just discharge a little piece of the anger then i go to the next one so let's say i'm feeling very constricted in my chest i notice the constriction in my chest and the same thing I just give it time, I close my eyes, I focus on it, and I wait for my nervous system to bring the same response of release. Now, let's say like I feel like it's a real volcano, <laughs> and that's really a lot, and I want to, so I will say something like, okay, what's the easiest and smallest way that this volcano can get out of my chest? Oh, maybe it's a stream of lava going down the mountain into the sea and, and cooling up as it's going down and then another stream and then another stream. So I want to do things a little bit at a time. If I bring the release, what is trauma? It's overwhelmed. It's too much at the same time. Too much, too fast, too soon. So what do I do? I break it down into little pieces. So I stay with my anger in my body, I notice it. Sensation per sensation, one at a time, 
until it gets released. Now, here's what's amazing. If I release something from my body, my way of thinking about it changes. See, if I thought what well, that person was a truly horrible human being, right? I'm like, oh, right? I release all the anger and I go, oh, I wonder what happened to them that day that they're acting so monstrously. Now I brought something else in there, the capacity to see the other. I'm not preoccupied only with myself. So what happens then? If that's going on, then now I can relate to the other person, communicate and repair and see what is needed. But if I'm just occupied with the boiling in my body all the time and my repetitive anger all the time, then I'm not available to anybody. I'm not available to see them or dialogue with them or negotiate with them or ask for repair or anything. That's where the healing comes where it's so important. And that's where I think if the rabbis know about this, they say, get the healing and then you know, you don't have to be in moderate anger. You can just use healthy anger. You don't need to live in any anger pattern. It's just a big, big difference. Yeah, and as you alluded to before, we can kind of understand, I, I think this is what you're saying, I wanna just confirm that so many of the different kind of religious texts or sources that seem to speak uh, disparagingly of anger. We can think about that more as the, as referring to the toxic anger We're or the, the destructive, the destructive behaviors of anger. Yeah, the, the, really the differentiation between the feeling and the action and the expression of the feeling makes a big difference. Yeah. One is informative, it's necessary, it's a tool, that God gave us in the whole panoply of feelings that we have to really know how we're reacting to the world. So it's a necessary feeling. I don't want to have somebody come and beat up my kid and I don't feel anything and I don't do anything about it. I don't want to be like that. I want to be like, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? I'm really upset right now. That's what I want. That's, a help. That's what I talked about, the healthy aggression. The healthy aggression that lets the other one know they cannot mess up with me. Because we all have our weaknesses. We all can be in a toxic anger and be not nice to other, another person. I mean, think about couples and parents and children and bosses and employees uh, in traffic or when you're at the supermarket, somebody breaks into your line. You know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's always available, right? To for us to get. And today we're living such a stressful life that it's very easy to get triggered. And anger has been really brought out of the closet in a major way. People, people are shameless about anger today. And that's not good. You know, the rabbi's admonition that anger is not something to be like, hey, wow, wonderful, I'm angry. That's not what we want. They're right about that. But we have to understand that there, as a feeling, we can accept it, normalize it, discharge it. And then it's not a problem. So for someone, let's say you the way you were describing depression before as, as possibly being lo a long time of suppressed anger, 
And so when they think about something now, they're not getting that volcano coming up. They're actually really just numb, I think. Right. To that. That's the depression. Right. So, right. so is they the- They want to allow themselves to think about it. Right. So is the idea that we actually want to try and start to access that anger? Yeah. And how, how, would, they, how would they start doing that? So um, there was another thing I wanted to give to your audience. <laughs> you know, I discovered that we do an exercise, you know, about it with the anger we push with the, hand, with the hands. But during COVID, because we were doing so much Zoom sessions, so I developed something where the person can push against the wall. So if I'm pushing like this, you know, with the straight elbows against the wall, I'm actually activating already the part of the nervous system that gets the sympathetic, we call it the sympathetic, that can activate things. So I'm bringing the activation up. So I push, 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 and then I stop and I see what I'm feeling and I discharge. And then I push, I push and I get angry in my eyes and then I stop, I see what I'm feeling, and I discharge, and then I push, and I say what I'm angry about, and again, I stop, and I discharge. So it's another way of being able to bring up what's, what's going on with us and discharge it, and also to discharge when the anger is already there and overwhelming. It works both ways, which is really amazing. So I was working with a, with a woman and we did some work against the wall. And the next time she said, you know, I was so angry that day with my husband, I pushed again the wall 50 times and it really worked. Wow. I said, okay, that's a new tool that we have. You know, we didn't have that before, before the Zoom. So that was very, very fun to play with. So I would play with that. I'm, I'm showing that to my clients how to do that too. But then the video that I was telling you about is well, showing. There's just one one question before we get to the to the video, and I want to I want to give you a chance to describe that to, to the listeners. What, one more question is: I know that we were saying we don't want to allow the destructive forms of anger into any sort of behaviors, actual behaviors. Um, but is there a way in which, in imagination? Um, that that even destructive behaviors can be productive as a in, in not in actuality but in imagination or do we not want to okay, go there? We're talking about something else now and and um, so one of the things, for example, let's say if if uh, somebody tells me, okay, you have this person with a temper, right? So how am I going to approach a person who has a temper? I know it's not a character issue. I know it's a trauma issue. I know it's an unfinished business issue. I know it's a fight response that was not completed, right? So I try to go to the origin of that situation. What happens? When did, what was the first time that they felt this way? And let's say they were abused by a bigger brother or by a, a disciplinarian father or whoever, or the bully at school, whatever. And that's, I think, what you're talking about is the corrective experience, right? Yeah. So it's actually in imagination. There are two things that we can do with it. One is to repair. So, for example, if my father yelled at me and I couldn't say anything because he would beat me up, then in this corrective experience, anything is possible at all, I actually answer back. 
or I have somebody who comes and fights for me and either fights him about what he's doing or teaches him what he's doing and he becomes aware and he apologizes and he loves me and all of that stuff. Okay, there's that. Now, you also have the corrective experience, but I don't know how much I want to play with it by people doing it by themselves. Uh-huh, okay, um, yeah. But where like in therapy, right, as you know, we can have the person imagine that they're blowing up the whole building with everybody in, them, in it that are bad to them and in imagination. And that helps them to discharge it. And then they don't need to go and do anything about it. But I, I would do that only under supervision, that part of that part of the corrective experience. Okay, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, so I wanted, I wanted to describe a little bit more the video and then say how we can use it in a couple, like in a relationship, what happens, right? When we're upset with people, right? So um, the video shows you four techniques how to ground yourself. Like when you're really upset, you're really agitated, uh, something is really overwhelming. If you really feel overwhelmed, use one of the techniques, the four um, exercises for grounding and you ground yourself, which means that you kind of come back to the here and now, you have a little bit more control over yourself. You did not discharge the event, okay? It's not taken care of, but you're more in control. And then you do what I said. Think about the event, notice what happens in your body, take one sensation at a time and discharge. And the video takes you through that. It also talks about resourcing, which is very important, which is to think about what works for you, what are your strengths, your abilities, or and whether they're internal or external resources, everything that helps you in life. And then what happens if you take a resource, something that you really like, and then you notice what's happening in your body, and maybe a deep breath will come up, or there'll be an opening in the chest, or there'll be a kind of a, ah, a relaxation in the body, something will happen. But every time I do that with a resource, I'm actually strengthening my healing capacity. So that's an important thing to do. So I have used that to work with couples, right? Like, how do we do that? Well, first of all, in therapy, in therapy, I think you talked about that the other day with me. Um, you know, how do we handle anger in therapy? So first of all, you have to be comfortable with anger. If you're not, go get a session about anger, get comfortable, and then you can bring it in. Because if you're not comfortable, it won't work, and they won't even bring the anger to you. So it just won't happen. So you have to be comfortable with anger. So that's good. And then there's something called body language, right? It's like people are saying things. They're not looking at each other. They're looking at you. They're saying things that are really like a dynamite for the other. And the other is already rolling their eyes or hiding or getting upset. And they're not even watching. And they're continuing, piling up the, the bad stuff, the stuff that's really going to get them anger, angry. So I really make sure that people pay attention to the person's body language. If you want to work, if, if you want to talk to somebody to work out an issue, 
with anybody, at least your child, your spouse, a friend, an enemy, anybody, it doesn't matter. Check how they are reacting to your words. Okay, what is their body language saying? Is it saying that they're interested, they're listening, or they're closing off? You know, when they go like that immediately, for example. So you say, wait, 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 that's not what I wanted. I didn't want the other person to close themselves. I want them to hear me. Okay, how can I say it in a different way? How can I discharge my anger right now so I can deliver it in a healing vortex way? So in terms of communication, that's very important. So I want the anger. I want to be able to feel the anger when my spouse is doing something that's not okay. I want to be able to express what my needs are, where I've been hurt, but in a way that doesn't alienate my spouse. Because if it alienates him, forget it. He's not going to do anything to help me. He's going to get his revenge or, or backlash. That's it, right? I mean, that's what's human. So um, the anger is important in a couple. It's important that there is room for discussions about what doesn't work. But paying attention, how am I expressing the anger? If I'm alienating the other person, I'm just toxic anger, repetitive, backlash, chronic, ongoing, that's it. That's what I'm doing. And that's where you get the couples coming to you because they've been doing this for years, right? On the other hand, I think it's our responsibility to tell the other what doesn't work. Because it's not only for our sake, but also for their own development's sake. I'm responsible for the, devil, for the growth of every single person that's around me, not in an intrusive way. When I was young, I was intrusive. I did it in a way that wasn't okay. I was 12 years old. I was fighting for my cousin in Arabic in Brazil. They made fun of her, right? Well, not, that's not what I needed to do, but that energy of wanting to defend, that was correct. But I was 12 years old. I didn't know any better how to do it. But if we learn, that we manage our anger, we have control over it, and then we can deliver what we need, our message, in a way that's connected, that lets the other one know that I still care about you. I'm not thinking that you're evil or you're terrible or I don't care about you. I care about you, and I need you to listen. I need you to hear me. That's what makes a difference. And I think that's our responsibility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Makes it kind of heavy sometimes, but. But I think as you were saying before, it, 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 it can be maybe heavier in the short term, but in the long term, it makes it lighter as that's opposed right. to being light in the short term, which turns very heavy in right. the long term. Exactly, exactly. The avoidance of anger really turns us into passive aggressive people. Yeah, it's as the uh, the Gemara talks about, right? The uh, the there's a long short way and a short long way. <laughs> That's funny. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. The Gemara has. We'll we'll finish. We'll we'll finish with this. Then you can just tell everyone where to find the video re-referencing. But the Gemara has a story. The Talmud has a story of a, of a man walking, trying to get to a certain city, and he gets to a fork in the road. And he's not sure which way to go. And there's a young, a young boy, a Yanuka, a young boy sitting at the fork in the road. 
And he asks him, you know, which way to this city? And the young boy says, well, you can actually go either way. This way is a long, short way. And this way is a short, long way. So the guy says, okay, I'll take the short way, you know, think, and so he goes and he gets to the city very quickly. But as he gets to the entrance, he sees that it's very difficult to, to climb over the entrance or whatever it is. Then he goes around and he finds another entrance, but he would have to like, you know, crawl through something and, and, and he keeps getting blocked by each entrance. So he goes back to the fork in the road and he says to the boy, you told me that was the short way. So he says, yes, I said it was the short, long way. So he yeah. tries the other one and the other way, it takes him a very long time to get there. But when he gets there, the entrance yeah. to the actual city is 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 quicker, open. is open for him. Yeah, yeah, I know you're absolutely correct about that. Absolutely, it's a little bit of work, but it goes a long way. And avoiding just just piles up the problem, makes it worse each time. And we think that we are being nice and being patient and being compassionate and being understanding. But we're not having the courage to face what's going on. And this is at the personal level and, and the collective level is the same thing, you know. You let things fester and then they blow. There up. Also an, is there also an art sometimes? Let's just for the moment, just sticking with, let's say, within a coupleship, is there a, a marriage? Is there, is there also an art of being able to just let things go sometimes? Is that, oh, is there a place you, for that? you have to choose your battles? Mm -hmm. You have to choose your battles. And then there's also like there was a show, I think it was called Friends, and the couple got along really well. And they asked them, well, how come you get along so well? And they said, we only let one person go crazy at a time. So if if we're fighting and I'm more in control, let go. I, I need to let go. Mm -hmm. Shut up for that moment. I can always talk about it after, right? Um, so this evaluation of who is more together at that moment is the one that has the responsibility to step back mm. yeah for sure no that point yeah. is very well taken okay so tell us where to find uh where to find the video so i'm going to send you the link which okay is i'll post it with the episode sure it's, yeah it's in the signature of my email okay and um it can be distributed and by the way just to let you to let your audience know we have it in seven languages in an audio form uh, including in Hebrew, so that if it's only a voice with images, it's not a person. And we have one for children with a puppet that was designed just for that. So, it, and people really are welcome to send it all over that they can, anybody that they feel they can be using this tool that can help. This is our way of contributing to healing the world, you know. And it's called, it's called, uh, just to reiterate for listeners, it's called Emotion Aid, right? Emotion Aid, right. Okay. Right. Gina, thank you so much for making this time for me. It was a real pleasure, and I will finish your book sometimes this month. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please follow us on WhatsApp, YouTube, or Instagram. All our podcast series can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd love to hear from you, so please reach out with questions, comments, or suggestions, or to be added to our WhatsApp groups. You can reach us through email using yakov, Y-A-K-O-V, dot attached at gmail.com, or on WhatsApp at 773-888-2413.